0: It's not uncommon for somebody to make 10, 12, 15 searches before they ever even think of making a decision, right? There's a, there's a huge ingestion period of education that is why content marketing is so important.
1: Welcome to the Look Left at Marketing podcast. The expression content marketing is tossed around often these days. Everyone claims to do it, but few do it well. This will be the first installment in a series of conversations on the art and science of content marketing. And in this episode of the Look Left at Marketing podcast, Brian Scanlon talks with Look Left's head of digital, Matt Raven.
2: So today we're going to talk about content marketing, which could easily fill a year's worth of podcasts, but we'll try and start at the high level and at least cover the basics. So let's try and define content marketing. Yeah, sure. So,
0: you know, I feel like there's a million different ways that you could describe what is a a massive beast of a discipline, essentially. But for me, content marketing is really all about getting smart content that users want in front of them in the ways that they typically consume information, right? So when I think of a, a more traditional like textbook-based definition, it's really more of how can we create and distribute content that's valuable to a desired audience and presumably achieve some sort of objective like building awareness, but even more so, like can this support lead generation potentially even build loyalty and retention in terms of nurture content. But I really like thinking about it in a more conversational tone because I think that's really where the most effective strategies come to mind. Curious what what your take on that is, Brian, and how you would maybe provide a slightly different definition.
2: So I, I agree with all that. I think for me, and I think this is one of the more interesting trends in content marketing is if this is all the stuff that buyers or investors or partners will consume long before they ever have a conversation with you, a real conversation, not a just a quick email or, or something. There's you know evidence from any number of sources that people spend a lot of time kind of shopping. Even in B2B, they're reading stuff. They're looking at what you do. They're listening to customer testimonials. And it's before they ever come to you. And I find that the real fascinating change. It used to be... At least it appeared or felt like for me that people would say, "Oh, I'm interested. I'll just give them a quick call or I'll shoot them a quick email." Your company gets stalked for a while before there's actually any uh, interaction. But I'd be interested in your take on, you know, if that's if that's the business trend what the buyers are doing. What do you see as trends in terms of the technology?
0: I'm seeing a couple of different things. I think one that's impossible to ignore, and this is something that we've seen in the industry for. A couple of years now, but it just continues to grow exponentially. Is the resurgence and insurgence of uh, voice search right? So it used to be as content marketers, we only really had to focus on very traditional searching. Right? Somebody uses their phone, their tablet, their desktop to search for something that they're looking to return some sort of useful information on. But you know, recent statistics suggest that nearly forty percent of people who use the internet complete at least a single voice search a month. And so for brands, we really need to respond to that to win. And it's not just about keyword research that covers off on that traditional searching that I referenced at the front end, but how can we make sure that our content is positioned in a way that actually matches the much more casual and conversational intent behind voice searches, right? Because think about what your behaviors are when you're asking your smart device something in your home, right? It's typically multitasking, And predominantly, you're looking for a quick answer to a very specific question, right? And so it's really important for us as marketers to have an even deeper understanding of our users, the devices they're using, the intent behind all of these searches, and start to build and reframe our content in a way that's not just optimized for traditional search, but also these, these voice-based prompts, right? And so there's a lot of different ways to go about that that we could cover off on at another time, but that's just a massive trend that the brands who win in content marketing in the next two to 15 years are going to have that strategy on lock. And it's one that just simply can't be ignored. The other piece that's really interesting to me as an SEO is, is core web vitals. And typically in content marketing, we think about a very purposeful, driven piece of content that we want to get in front of the right audience. But we don't think about making sure that we have the infrastructure set up to actually make that content seen, right? So without getting too much into details, Core Web Vitals is a set of algorithmic updates that are actually have just rolled out. And they're entirely focused on site performance and speed and user experience. And this is really related to content marketing because you can have spectacular content, very shareable incredibly user-friendly content on a website that has poor infrastructure and it's just not wired for sound and mobile performance. And it may not ever be seen because of these algorithmic updates. So we don't tend to think about search at the forefront and web infrastructure as a key factor in content marketing, but that's going to be something that, again, we just simply cannot ignore. So those are two big things that are a little bit more tech-focused that I think are just going to continue to have a seismic impact on content marketing.
2: Well, I think you know it's a it's kind of the double whammy. You know, there's plenty of evidence out there that you have seconds when someone comes to a web page to get their attention or give them something to look at, or they're gone. You know, now the other side of it is they may not even get to your site if it's also not fast and efficient and kind of built for speed. You know, one of the things that we've been talking about a lot here is SEO and content planning. And for me, this is a bit of a sea change having spent the vast majority of my career at agencies where there is session after session after session in front of a whiteboard coming up with clever things. You know, I have an idea. Here's an idea. What if we did this? What if we did this? no matter how clever that is. If nobody's actually looking for it and you can't draw that line, it may not matter. What are your thoughts on that? Is it all about the science? Is there still some room for being clever?
0: I think that that's a great question. And I think it's a challenge that we face every single day in our roles. And to me, the balance of art and science as equal contributors is, is really the best way to think about this, right? I, there's an argument to be made that if you fall too in love with, you know, clever language and campaignable slogans, and, you know, that type of thing, you may miss out on getting that in front of the right audience. Because as we just mentioned, if you're not focusing on the actual real time behaviors of your audience, and how they consume content, and how they find content, you may as well not waste your time ever building it. However, I've seen numerous brands make the mistake of going too all in on the science approach. And It just becomes word vomit, for lack of a better phrase, where you actually haven't created anything that's interesting or valuable to your audience. You focus predominantly on a search engine, which by the way, they've gotten much more clever at understanding brands being able to manipulate those things. And so I would always encourage people to start that content marketing process in the same way we always traditionally have. What problem are we trying to solve? What is the specific pain point or value that we want to provide this individual persona or segment? And what is the medium that we need to deliver this through? And from that point on, you should really think about that through the science lens. Maybe we start with a couple of sentences or a headline that we love. And I come in and, and Brian, you know, this firsthand, I'll come in and say, Oh, we need to change these two words, because that's just not how people search for these things. Right? Yeah. But it should always be done after the fact, because I think that's the only real way to preserve true brand value and identity.
2: You know, the other thing that that I, I find is that, you know, because we're so used to either shorthand or, you know, just emoji driven world is the, the kind of art of the sound bite is is really kind of starting to disappear. And, you know, you can't answer a reporter's question with an SEO optimized phrase. It's like it's very hard. Yeah. But you can illustrate a clear problem or talk about a clear solution or, you know, have a point of view or an an opinion. And, it you know, and I think getting that recipe and that balance right seems to be the new challenge. You know, it used to be just can you yell loud enough for people to pay attention to you? And it turns out you can't now without science. Right. You need to boost your yelling with all that super smarts of search. But to your point, there's such a lack of originality that when you can find something that is clever and, and interesting, what my grandmother used to call witty, that just touches enough of the science, it's, that seems to be the home run. You know, one of the things that, that we do a lot of is we do search-informed and search-boosted PR. It might be just be good to talk about why is search still so relevant? Search certainly is not dead, right?
0: No, absolutely not. I think it just continues to grow in importance. And you don't have to look very far to find real credible statistics that organic search just drives the most business impact in terms of not only, of course, traffic and awareness driver, but even more importantly, qualified leads, especially in B2B enterprise technology spaces where it's not uncommon for somebody to make 10, 12, 15 searches before they ever even think of making a decision, right? There's a there's a huge ingestion period of education that is why content marketing is so important. And it actually is very funny to me that for years, these two things, content marketing and, and SEO were considered to be so different in operating in silos. And, and some even said that content marketing would replace SEO, which is just insane to me to think about because... These two functions are entirely, I mean, entirely 100% interdependent on one another to succeed. Content marketing without SEO is just noise. It's just content that lives somewhere that nobody ever reads or sees. And SEO without content is a complete and utter waste of time. You can never have a visible website and drive traffic to a site without valued content. And so the bottom line to me is that when we don't build content strategies with SEO as the primary if not at least a primary input then we're just simply creating uninformed content right that that more than likely is going to miss on the actual interests of the audiences that we were trying to engage from the beginning and so when you think about all of the moving parts of an organization and all the resources spent it's kind of silly to not think of those two things as completely interdependent and those functions just have to operate
2: together to win sales they always talk about the repeatable sale which is like a huge thing for startups where they've got some incredibly cool technology but they're generally ahead of the market and you know how do they find the problem or the issue that becomes the repeatable sale over and over again and i kind of feel like content marketing and pr has that desire now too. what is the repeatable message that people are actually looking for over and over again, and is also interesting, and you know has some cleverness to it. We have all these inputs now, and there's the art and the science is kind of stringing them together without, to your point, creating just vomit or random salads, but really finding that it feels just far more complicated now. And I think
0: that raises a good point to touch on too is that I think, in my experience some of these integration challenges, right, it, it seems obvious that these two things would be speaking together for the the greater benefit of both, right? Uh, one mm-hmm. of the one plus one equals 10 situations. But I think a lot of the challenge actually is, is somewhat organizational in nature. Historically, yeah. content is a separate function from search, which is a separate function from demand generation. And there's not really this core thread that's weaving all of them together. You know, CMOs, CEOs, they're incredibly busy. They don't have time to make sure that objectives are shared and that everybody's sort of driving towards these common goals and themes. And I think that's our role. And that's what we're seeing an awful lot of as, as the real opportunity is to lean on us to help bring these functions together to really help like exponentially improve the output of of all of these efforts.
2: About four years ago, I met an influencer who just insane amount of attention on the articles that that he wrote. And really isn't an expert in, you know, didn't get a PhD and you know, spend 10 years in the industry. And I said, Wow, you know, so many people are paying attention to your stuff thing. He said, I spend as much time on the title of the article as I do writing the entire article. Yeah. And it was just this kind of aha of, like, if you don't create that magnet or tap into that buyer intent and, and all of that, th- those those remaining words are just meaningless. So let's just call this content promotion, for lack of better words. And maybe narrow it down from public relations. But, okay, so you've, you've built a piece of content, and let's assume that it's built on something that people are searching for. What do you do? You just put it up with your site and wait for the hits to reel in?
0: It's a good question. And there's no simple answer, but I'll try to oversimplify the process a little bit. So to your point, we're going to just assume that this content is backed by keyword research. And we've chosen a topic that we know has qualified search volume, let's say. So the first piece of this is just making sure that The content is set up from a technical standpoint to be seen and crawled by the search engines, which ultimately will drive traffic long term, right? So that's things like the title, the title tag, the headers, which basically help categorize and create a logical flow of a piece of content, the keywords that are used throughout the body of that content, right? There's all those sort of technical checkboxes that just have to be made. We publish it. And then it's a matter of what do we do to really make sure this gets in front of the, the right audiences so there's sort of two things that in my opinion need to happen in parallel one from an seo perspective building optimized content is one significant piece of generating visibility against the core algorithms that google and other search engines use but it's not enough quite frankly Google and other engines are also really reliant on using backlinks as a determination for ultimately where they rank content and as a byproduct of that who gets traffic on a specific topic. And so it's important for us to think about where we can find opportunities to share this content to ultimately earn backlinks back to it, which essentially, without getting too technical, act as a vote of confidence for Google, and they over time reward it, right? They view it as if five people found this piece of content valuable enough to link to it on their own sites, it must be valuable. And therefore we should deliver that content to the people who are searching for this topic. Right. And so that's where, that's where integration with a function like PR can be really critical because we are out there pitching media on a weekly monthly basis, right? We're finding really smart contributed opportunities and bylines that presumably are covering the same topics of the content that we just published, right? And so if we can find very natural, relevant, and user-friendly ways to link back to that content, over time, it's gonna start to improve in the rankings and we'll start to drive more organic traffic. The other piece of it, because SEO takes time, right? Nobody likes to hear that, but it is not instant gratification by any means, (laughs) is to think about a promotion plan, right? I mean, if we are building a piece of content that we're investing, lots of time and energy into we shouldn't just stop when we hit publish right we should have a very smart strategic plan to get that in front of the audience that we originally intended and to me that should be some sort of cross-section of social promotion right potentially toying with some paid boosting and really smart advertising strategy that can be an incredibly cost-effective way especially if you start to implement some account-based marketing layers to get that content in front of the right users. We should probably think about how we distribute that with our existing email audiences and our CRM. And we should potentially think about how we could engage our communities with with that content, right? If it's helpful, we should make sure that we give our loyal users as a brand the opportunity to react to that and potentially even contribute to it. So for me, it's a two-step process. One, making sure that the content is set up structurally to drive organic traffic long term. And in the interim, when that is just not going to happen because it's not how search works, we should devise a very article specific plan to get that in front of the right audience. And it's just the smart use of all sorts of digital channels depending on ultimately the objective and the audience to make sure that they get it in their hands.
2: You know, you mentioned community engagement, which I think is just something that so many companies struggle with. And there's been this kind of mind shift where, you know, people, they'll they'll publish stuff and they want people to see it, but they're almost afraid of the engagement. And we see this in the developer communities all the time. You know, developers are literally experts at finding flaws. And they will look at your content and your argument and be like, oh, no, not so fast. You know, you, you talk about this thing, but that's not right. And it, it's been really interesting because so many companies will be like, oh, no, we were wrong. And we, we always need to remind them, like, that's an opportunity for a conversation. I mean, there's wrong, wrong, where you just should have never written it, and it's embarrassing. But, you know, 95% of the time, it's an opportunity to make a correction, to have that person take credit with their communities for helping you. And it's really powerful when you see that kind of happening in action if you've got the thick skin to to deal with it and and the attention too, i find it really interesting that they love the word community but the engagement side of it man it it scares the daylights out of them
0: i don't think there's any way around it being unnerving for that reason but i think what you really need to do in my opinion is just embrace that right especially especially in a a, in a fast moving environment and ecosystem like engineering and and developing just as an example, right? Like we could publish something that is spot on, absolutely correct one day and in 48 hours, it could be completely irrelevant, right? That's just how fast the world moves. But if we don't take a stand and be willing to have those conversations, even if it may not be perceived as perfect across the board, we are to your point, Brian, we're just gonna miss opportunities to talk to prospective customers. And to build loyalty, right? I I mean, at least in my own experiences with brands, I'm much more likely to continue using or work with a company or buy products from a company that does have a strong point of view and puts themselves out there and are willing to admit wrongdoing at certain times. Yeah. Um, You know, I think it's, I think it's much better to go forward with something that is a minimal viable product in the form of a piece of content that can always be refined and tweaked than to wait for this unreal concept of a perfect strategy, right? Because while you're waiting for that, six other competitors have just blown by you because they were a little bit more risk averse. And I think that's a delicate balance. But in my opinion, I think you really just need to be brave enough to put yourself out
2: there. And there's, there's actual technical value in updating content over time, right?
0: That's right. In fact, it's one of the more powerful content marketing strategies is to, uh, and, and something that I've historically encouraged a lot of the brands that I've worked with to do is look at the end of every quarter or at the end of every year minimum. Let's take a look at our top 10 to 15% performing content in the form of, you know, whatever metric you want, sessions, page views, conversions, even a, a cross section of all of those and let's update it, right? Let's keep all of the technical components and elements the same because they got to that high performing percentage by being set up properly. But let's make sure that they're contemporary in the nature, in the information and the data that we're using and the sources that we're citing and make necessary tweaks as needed. For the most part, just to make sure that as users continue to, to land on that content that they're getting the value that they need.
2: Well, Matt, this is a great conversation. Thanks so much for taking uh, the time today.
0: Absolutely, Brian. It's a
1: pleasure. Brian Scanlon and Matt Raven will continue to explore the science of content marketing in upcoming episodes of the Look Left at Marketing podcast. In our next segment, Brian and Matt will discuss the most common mistakes in B2B content marketing. We hope you'll subscribe to the Look Left at Marketing podcast series. We're on Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, we always welcome your comments and suggestions for future episode topics. Thanks again for joining us on this edition of the Look Left Marketing Podcast. Till next time, be well.